You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The 7 Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word 7 Habits. That's the number 7 Habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Her name is May Karwowski, and she's the founder and CEO of Obviously, which is a leading global influencer marketing agency and technology platform. Under her leadership since launching the agency in 2014, she's bootstrapped the agency to over eight figures. With thousands of campaigns under her belt, May is a recognized expert on, influ- on the influencer industry and has been widely quoted in the press, appearing in publications such as the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and the list goes on and on. So welcome to the show, May. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. You're in New York? Yes. yes wow. Okay. That's an interesting place to be, particularly yeah. the last six months. Currently in Woodstock, New York. So upstate, you know. Staying oh, so focused on the business, you staying escaped. focused on being healthy. Yep, exactly. It's like the old movie, Escape from New York. All right, I so I am from Buffalo, so we have a little bit in common that we're both from New York, and you're upstate now, which is good for you. Today, guys, just to give you a sense as to what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a topic we've never talked about before, and that doesn't happen very often, especially after over two and a half years into this podcast, which is we're going to talk about everybody's favorite platform, TikTok, Right. And so we're going to talk about why you need to seriously consider leveraging TikTok. But the cool part about this episode is we're going to talk about how you can leverage TikTok without having to know how to dance. So this is right up my alley because I can't dance. I definitely can't sing. I can barely, you know, put this podcast together on some days on a good day. But um, that's what May's going to help us, you know, unpack. But before we do that, give us a quick story. I mean, you there's obviously a lot to this. Tell us a little bit more about obviously why you founded it and then we're going to dig right right in. Sure. So I started the company in 2014 and we were doing social media management and we were building Instagram, Facebook accounts for lots of different big brands. And I was like, wow, there are all these awesome, interesting people who are organically building their own audiences, whether that's 5,000 people or 200,000 people on Instagram, on Facebook, like let's actually reach out to them. Let's get my brand's products in front of these people and have them talk about it and why they love it to their own followers. And we quickly realized that this is a really scalable, profitable business. And our clients were seeing really fantastic results working with these influencers. So why did you get into the social media marketing thing? What drew you to that initially before you kind of tapped into the influencer component? I think I'm always really looking for what's the big new opportunity and what's kind of the, the fast track to get ahead faster. You know, if I'd gone into media planning, I've got 10 people above me in a big agency before I get to be president. No one was ahead of me or no one was above me as a social media manager. I was like, wow, there's a lot of open space here. You know, the CEO of my old company would call me in for meetings and be like, tell me everything about XYZ platform. It's like, wow, there's, you know, there's a real opportunity here because there's a real lack of expertise because it is so new. So I've always just really made sure that with obviously we've been able to really stay ahead of the curve and really see, okay, where are influencers, where are their audiences, 
how do we get great brands in front of them? And then how do we go back and sell that to brands? So, so they're really taking advantage of these opportunities too. Love it. So quick question. You mentioned some of the brands you've worked with. Could you share a few of those and give us an example of some of those brands that you've worked with on different platforms? Yep, definitely. So, you know, our target customer is primarily large enterprise companies. So we work with Google, we work with Ulta, we work with Sephora, we work with Nike. So very large, recognizable brands. And then interestingly, we're now working with a lot of emerging D2C brands who are really all in on influencer. So they're really spending like 100% of their marketing budget on influencer marketing and really trying to scale quickly the number of influencers they work with. So it's been a really cool um, sort of balance of the business. Do you have any examples of those, those D2C emerging brands? Yeah. So we work with The Honest Company, with Collab, which is a great dry shampoo brand that's really made it, we really helped them make a huge splash in the US this year. Uh, We work with Bumble. Yeah, a number of a number of small growing beauty brands as well as entertainment apps, fitness companies, you name it, anything that that looks good on social, we're we're working with those brands. Awesome. Perfect. All right. So today we're going to talk about TikTok. And TikTok is all over the media these days and for a variety of reasons, growth related, political, you know, it makes good news, it makes good headlines. But the, today, that's not what we're going to focus in on. What we're going to focus in on today is number one, why you need to consider TikTok, right? Because I think some brands and, and businesses and organizations are, are kind of looking at it out of the corner of their eye saying, eh, I don't think that's really for me because of maybe some misconceptions or misunderstandings about the platform. So first, we're going to talk about why, right? And what are some of the dynamics going on over there? And then secondly, we're going to talk about an interesting strategy that that May has leveraged with her clients on how you can leverage it without without knowing how to dance, without falling into the cliche TikTok category, right? So, So help us unpack that a little bit. Give us the why, then we'll talk a little bit about the how, and we'll see how far we can get. Sure. So with the why, it comes down to two things. One is growth, and the second is the product itself. So with growth, if you're growing your business, you are looking for those unique opportunities to grow extremely quickly in the most inexpensive way possible. And sometimes there are only a window of time with an emerging platform where that can be possible before that platform actually truly monetizes the value that they're giving. So that's happening with TikTok right now. Hundreds of millions of people are using TikTok and they're on it for hours a day. And you now have the ability because number two, the product is so great to actually reach an exponential number more viewers rather than the people who already follow you. So for example, if I'm on Instagram and I have 30,000 followers and I start talking about my favorite sneaker, most likely, you know, maybe 10,000, 20,000 people will see that post and a much, you know, a thousand people will like or comment on that post. On TikTok, I may have 20,000 followers as well. I'm talking about my favorite sneaker all of a sudden that post is seen by 5 million people because the algorithm has really favored it because it's performing so well and people, when they see it, watch it to completion and watch it multiple times. So that's huge. It really, it means that you can work with an influencer whose audience is is substantially smaller than the number of people who you're actually going to get to see the video itself. And, And that's organic. And that's, you know, simply for the price of figuring out which influencer to work with getting the product to them, and then having them create great content. Okay. So the why. So right now it's, 
in my eyes, I've seen every platform go through this. Facebook went through these early stages and Instagram went through these early stages and every platform goes through this. LinkedIn's kind of going through it now. They're on maybe, maybe towards the tail end of that really heavy mm-hmm. organic growth, depending on who you ask. But you're just seeing such a huge number of users joining the platform. And the algorithm is just, like you said, I mean, you have people that are growing followings of hundreds of thousands of followings very, very quickly getting huge, you know, reach with their, with their content. So don't, I think the lesson is, and what we were talking about beforehand is don't let the concept of, you know, the, the stereotypical dancing theme or, you know, the, the younger generation take you out of your game plan as far as expanding your reach. Because like anything else, those platforms are going to evolve over time, right? And there's that window of opportunity. And so there's a huge opportunity right now. I can tell you myself, I, if you make the parallel, I'm not, I'm not a TikTok guy, right? I'm on TikTok. I love it. It makes me laugh. I crack up. I can sit there for an hour and two and just listen to it. So it consumes me, but I don't create content there. But 12 years ago, back in 2008, I joined LinkedIn. And back then, LinkedIn was not a big platform. It was, nobody even knew what LinkedIn was. And so I joined it early on and it became a huge platform for me for growth and for mm-hmm. building influence and making connections and getting reach. And so I'm a big believer in, in if your target market is there or you think they'll be there in the future, you need to start investing now. So I think I, I agree with you 100%. I think the dynamics are in your favor right now from a growth and a reach perspective and the algorithm is obviously showing, showing the proof of that. So now let's talk a little bit about, about the how, right? I mean, we talked a little, we know you do influencer marketing. I think there's two different two different camps or maybe even a hybrid of those. One is you can go out and build your own following, right? Where you can build your own personal brand on TikTok, which you see a lot of people doing and probably has some real value to it if you're willing to create the content. And then the other side is the influencer side. Let's talk about the influencer side because I think you have an interesting perspective on that. Definitely. So I think the the two biggest things to think about when you're working with influencers on TikTok is one, identification. So are you working with the right people? And then are you paying them the right amount of money? And are you giving them the right directions so the call to action is clear enough for you? So one is, are you, just, are you working with the right people? Which takes some testing. The second thing is really scale. So the number of brands I talk to who are like, oh, you know, we tried working within, with, with influencers, it didn't work. And I'll be like, well, how many influencers did you work with? What did you have them do? Like we worked with four influencers. I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is a marketing channel. You need to test you need to optimize. You need to learn what works and what doesn't, especially with emerging platform like TikTok. So we always recommend like, let's work with at least 10 influencers to start out, especially with the way TikTok's algorithm is. Four might have very low viewership, but you might hit it out of the park with three. And all of a sudden you've got 10 influencers who each have 10,000 followers, but overall you're reaching over 10 million people. And that's not like, those are real numbers from a, from a real campaign we've run. That's not me being, it's not hyperbole. Yeah, yeah, it's not grandiose. So yeah, I think, you know, it, it always comes down to that in any testing that you do on any channel, right? It, there's almost always going to be an 80-20, right? The Pareto's principle is going to kick in. You're going to have certain influencers where it's going to explode and certain where it's just not going to resonate for whatever reason, whether that's the content or the targeting or the, or the messaging or whatever the case may be. So what you're talking about, when you talk about maybe someone who has five or 10,000 followers on TikTok, you're trying to talking about more like a micro-influencer. I mean, we're not talking about someone who has, we're not talking about Charlie D'Amelio, right? I mean, right. who is the well-known, has like what, probably 80 or 90 million 
followers on, you know, on TikTok. We're not talking about trying to get her as an influencer so much as it's more micro-influencers. Why do you think micro-influencers are a better bet? I think especially when you're testing uh, to begin with, we always recommend working with a larger number of micro-influencers than going all in on one very large influencer. It's great because one, it's, you know, it's, it's much more cost-effective. You know, you're going to get an influencer who maybe has never worked with a brand before, which is great for a few reasons. Their audience hasn't seen many much sponsored content from them yet. And that's always great. And also, they're just really excited to work with this brand. I think a lot of marketers are used to, you know, they're working, used to working with their vendors. They're used to kind of the same old, same old. To get a handwritten note with like sparkles <laughs> from an influencer saying, thank you so much. Like, I love your brand. I've loved it for years. I can't believe I'm actually in a position where, where I'm getting to create content for you. I mean, that's the authenticity that really does cut through a lot of the noise. And that is what's different than, you know, just a, a typical sponsored, you know, ad on Facebook. Yeah, or any platform for that reason, right? Totally. I mean, Instagram or wherever the case may be. Yeah. All right. So, so bigger bang for your buck, easier to test and get your messaging down and get whatever content or whatever you're going to try to drive home. What about some examples of the types of campaigns that you've seen work really well using that micro influencer strategy, right? Where you go out and you get 10 influencers that are all doing, you know, they have 10,000 followers and now we're going to put this campaign in front of them. What does something like that look like? Well, what's great about working with micro-influencers is that you really can go after the long tail. So we can find you know, black women who live in specific cities who love to talk about hair products. And then we can find them, start talking to them, get them a product, see if they're interested and give them a creative brief and have them actually create some awesome content. So that's an actual example from the work that we've done with Ulta in partnership with Pattern, which is Tracy Ellis Ross's brand, which is fantastic. And it was just such a cool campaign because she actually, Tracy Ellis Ross actually created a spoken word manifesto and each influencer used that as a soundtrack to their TikTok video. So, and that was seen by over 10 million people after two days of working with those 10 influencers. Um, so it's, it's something that's very scalable. You know, if that brand wants to go and work with a hundred micro influencers, we can do that tomorrow. Whereas, you know, if you're working with one very large influencer, it's going to be a lot harder and a lot more, you know, cost prohibitive to do so. So what are you finding as far as the cost? I'm sure there's a wide range with these micro influencers, right? But can you give a sense, you know, of what someone might expect when trying to put together a test with a small group of micro influencers? I mean, what would they need or what per influencer or overall type of a basic budget to create that type of test? I mean, obviously content, they're going to do content creation on their own, right? The influencers are going to actually create the content, which is really great because you don't really have to pay too much on the production value for that. But can you give us a sense of that? Because I think the audience would, it would I think it would help them connect the dots. Yeah, definitely. So, you know. Knowing there's talk, a wide range. I'm there's, sure there's I mean, a wide range, but I, I'm going to disclaim that up front. But I, totally. I want to give people a little bit of an understanding. So it, it really is the Wild West uh, when it comes to, to pricing with influencers. We're really looking for influencers who are, it's a love match between the influencer and the brand. You know, they're like, hey, maybe, maybe I usually would do this for $1,000, but how with pattern, with Ulta, like I'll do it for 500. Like I'm psyched to do so. That is something that we look for that, you know, willingness to negotiate simply because they really love the brand. I think that actually can be a key performance indicator for us. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, from a few hundred dollars to we've worked with influencers who we've paid, you know, six figures to do three TikTok videos. So if you get big and it's pretty easy to get big pretty quickly, 
you know, you could be making some significant, significant money. Yeah. So if you took that example where you were getting 10 influencers, 10,000 a piece, you know, it probably wouldn't be unrealistic, even if you had to pay $1,000 per influencer there, $10,000 in that example you gave with Ulta and Pattern, what did it get 10 million views in the first two days? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the CPA on that? I mean, that's insane. Well, also they, they just, they saw a huge lift in in-store and on their e-commerce site as well. So I think that's a huge part of it too, is just getting this brand in front of the right audiences who are then going to check it out and purchase. So we're looking at how many people are seeing this, how many people are engaging with that content, but also like, are we seeing a lift in sales? Even on TikTok where, you know, it is harder to track. So, so that's always a caveat, but when brands see the lift, they're like, I believe it. This is the only thing we did in those, that two-day period. See, what's cool about that, I think for brands that's interesting, and again, you're more of an expert on this than me, but if you take a piece of content that gets 10,000 views over a two-year period of time, it's very hard to track the ROI on something like that. Whereas if you get something that gets 10,000 views over two or three or five or 10 days, you know, it's pretty obvious when you have something hit that hard, you know, when you see a lift in your e-com channel. I mean, it's pretty easy to track back those results. And with TikTok, with this type of a micro-influencer campaign, it sounds to me like that's a very, very possible and realistic as long as you touch all the bases. Yeah, definitely. And we've actually been doing some really interesting things to go even further down funnel. For instance, we'll drive followers to receive a free sample by going to a specific landing page, filling out their information, and then writing a review of you know how it went, you know, if they liked it or not, or taking a photo or doing their own TikTok video. So really creating a cool loop. And then the brand is like, whoa, we can track these emails. This is fantastic. I like it. Cool. All right. So anything else, any other campaigns or concepts or ideas you want to talk about as it relates to leveraging micro-influencers on TikTok? Yeah, we, we worked with uh, Florence by Mills, which is, if you know Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown's line. We worked with eight influencers on day of launch and it sold out in 24 hours. So that was kind of all, all the brand ever wanted. And the content was fantastic. And then now we have you know, a group of influencers who are so excited to hear about every new product release in the future. So what would be some tips on maybe selecting the right influencer? Because I think that's one of the magic components to influencer campaigns is getting the right people. You mentioned something where earlier where you said, we really look for the love fest. We look for that match between the influencer and the brand where they, they already know who that brand is. Maybe they're already using that brand. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But outside of that, right? Outside of that direct connection brand to influencer, what are some other things you think they should look for? We really look to see how quickly an influencer, specifically on TikTok, is growing. That really speaks to, are they creating quality content in a volume that's really being prioritized in the TikTok algorithm? You know, it's not uncommon for us to work with an influencer who's at that 10,000 mark. We come back to them a few months later, they're at the 200,000 mark. And so we're really looking for people who are like, wow, they're gaining real traction. And then we really look at video to video that they're creating. What is the engagement rate on those different videos? Are some you know, drastically higher than others? How often do they go viral? So really looking at, at many of those aspects as well. And then what's the, what type of content are they creating? You know, if you're a comedy account, maybe we don't want to give you, you know, a luxury shoe brand right now. <laughs> maybe we want to give you like, you know, a fun gag gift or... Um, home decor or something like that. And I, I think actually a lot of people are surprised by just how long tail TikTok is now. There's a lot of like iPhone hacks and different ways to be productive 
and really interesting kind of very niche things that once you get in it, you're fed that content all day long. And so I think it does, it provides a really unique opportunity for many different types of brands, not just your brand marketing to a Gen Z customer. So you mentioned, you know, looking at content growth and user growth and engagement within the content, within the platform. Are there any tools that you use for that? Or is it just very hand-to-hand combat going through their profiles and looking? I mean, or do you use, uh, there's always a SaaS product or tool for some sort of metrics. I mean, do you use anything there or is it again, just a little bit more hand-to-hand? So we really are, I'm proud to say, very much on the forefront and kind of everything influencer related. So we are actually building everything ourselves in real time, testing it out. So we've built all of our own TikTok analytics tools. And then we're also actively cross-referencing to see their audience if they're on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter as well, to see like, okay, what's their overall audience mix look like? And if we're negotiating for a TikTok video, should we also start talking about, you know, doing other content on other platforms as well? And I think that is one thing that brands get really excited by. So they're like, oh, wow, you've already thought of that. Cool. Let's do this with you. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. All right, cool. So as far as influencer marketing as a whole, I mean, this is, this is your wheelhouse. It's where you live every day. You know, we talk specifically about TikTok today, but what would you want people to know about influencer marketing as a whole? I mean, you know, there's all these different platforms, right? And then there's even, you know, influencer marketing has been going on for decades and decades, even before the internet. And I don't think people realize that, right? But celebrity endorsements and those sorts of things have been going on forever. But as it stands today and moving forward over the next three to five years, what would you want people to know about influencer marketing? I'd say that influencers are people that you trust on a given topic. And once you really think of an influencer in, in that light, rather than the quote unquote, you know, girl who lives in LA who is super fashionable. Kylie then, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The OG influencer set. Influencer marketing is now getting so much more advanced And you can really find niche influencers in any topic to really work with, build relationships with, and who can speak authentically and organically about your product. It's a really valuable tool. And it's been really interesting to see the evolution of the space where we're launching so many brands now for our clients who, you know, maybe influencer marketing would have been something they considered two or three years in. Now it's like a key part of their overall launch plan. And they're really trying to be much more customer centric, much more influencer centric. And that's really permeating like, you know, the newest, most successful brands we're seeing. It's really fantastic. And it's, and it's really growing so quickly. Yeah, that's interesting. It, you know, and I think there's something that we didn't talk about. And I want to hone in on this a little bit because we talked about the right way to choose an influencer and some ideas and concepts behind that. But I also think people probably miss the mark on the actual campaign itself and the content, right? I mean, you can put a crappy messaging in front of a whole bunch of people and it doesn't mean it's going to go viral. It doesn't mean you're going to get good reach. It doesn't mean that, that it's going to be successful in whatever metrics you're using to measure that. So I think the campaign is another component of that. What's the actual campaign? What is the hook? What's the messaging? You mentioned that one with Alta and Pattern where you had a very specific campaign targeting a very specific segment of the audience. How important is that campaign and that actual messaging? And how does something like that work with, when a company works with someone like you? The campaign and messaging is so important. I think sometimes you have a brand marketing team that thinks that this is a, a commercial photo shoot or a commercial video shoot. So they're really trying to over-engineer and over-direct everything. Or they try to set the 
the barrier for the influencer to be incredibly high. For example, we actually had a brand that was like, can our influencers like drive themselves to Red Rocks, like climb around, and this was in March of this year, <laughs> and you know, do a whole photo shoot there. Like all the influencers you've chosen, none of them live in the area. They're all in New England. Like we need to be really realistic about what's content that makes sense for them, what's content that they know what content performs on their channel. Like we should just give them parameters to work within, a super clear, easy call to action. And then we should measure that and see which influenced audience this really resonates with, your product really resonates with, and which influencers, yeah, they're, you know, their audience is great. They just maybe don't like your brand as much. And that's okay, as long as we learn from it and we don't work with them anymore. And so I think that's, that's why working with micro-influencers and placing you know, hundreds of really small bets rather than going all in on a Kylie Jenner and all of a sudden, okay, that's like a million dollars, please, is really the, the, the smart way to go to really drive true results. I agree. I think that's the smart bet is kind of dollar cost averaging it into multiple influencers, honing down that message. And then from there, you can always increase the size of the following or the bet that you're going to put on an individual influencer. So I think that's a solid strategy and I appreciate it. All right, listen, anything else you want to add before we, I'm going to ask a couple last rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. I think one other thing is working with micro influencers or even nano influencers who have like a thousand followers or so is that they're now like huge fans of your brand too. You know, if you're getting people who actually really love and love your company, love what you're doing, just keep talking to them. You know, like we'll email them frequently about, hey, here's what a brand's up to. Here's the new releases. Even if you're not signing another contract with that person, you're building real brand advocacy. And I think that's huge. And you can also use that content across your own social channels, on your own website, really significantly reduce the amount of money you're spending on the creative to power your own marketing team. And I think that's kind of overlooked by many brands, but the brands who actually do that with us are like, hey, we've reduced our, our creative budgets by 80% just by working with the right influencers and having them give us you know, 25 additional assets every month. Perfect. All right, listen, I'm going to ask you two rapid fire questions. What would be your favorite growth tool, software, SaaS, app, something that you use to grow your business? So I love using Confluence for my team, just really documenting everything, creating a process, putting it there, referencing it. It's our little Bible. That's so important in our space when things are evolving so quickly and hey, this changed on Instagram. We got to do this now or like make sure you say XYZ to an influencer because they just rolled out this new ad unit. So that's, that's probably my, my biggest uh, love right now in the awesome. software space. And what would be one book maybe that you've read or that you would recommend to the audience, something that's helped you on your journey or you may help them on theirs? So they actually just re-released Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And I'd really recommend that for Robert anyone Cialdini? who- Yeah, exactly. Cialdini, right? I'd really recommend that to anyone who is new to the space or want, wants to just get a, you know, a better understanding rather than, hey, I'm seeing you know, TikTok in the news recently. Love it. Listen, really appreciate you being here, May. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about Obviously, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's May Karwowski, M-A-E-K-A-R-W-O-W-S-K-I. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at MayWow, or drop me a line at may at obvious.ly. Love it. I'll make sure I put all those links in the show notes. Really appreciate you being here. Congrats on all your success. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. It was great being here. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.